Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. So today's episode is dedicated to our beautiful hearts and we're going to explore how feeling can be a key to success not only in meditation but also outside of meditation. Right, so welcome everybody. Last time we talked about the brain and we've had a lot of research on the effects of meditation relating to the brain. But if we want to go deeper in our meditation practices, we have to go beyond the brain and engage the heart. So science is at its infancy here, but what the data suggests is that through yogic training, the brain becomes more finely tuned to the heart. So specifically, we see this during compassion meditations or meditations on loving kindness. By meditating on compassion, and when we talk about compassion, we're talking more in a, a broader sense. So this isn't necessarily one person that we're thinking about. It's not meditating on your friend who's going through a hard time. That is valuable, but it's making that compassion bigger. So kind of you can even start from thinking of that one person, but trying to broaden it to ultimately the whole of humanity or all living things. But by doing this, the brain of a meditator becomes more connected to their bodies and especially the heart. And this in turn sharpens the the sense of of what other people are going through and being connected to other people's emotions. Um, there's a, an interesting book called Altered Traits, and this it's very, very interesting if, if you are interested in the, the scientific results of, of different studies through meditation. It's a, a great compilation, and it, it uses real-world language, so I, I want to make sure it doesn't sound like I'm talking about this being a a medical um, writing. It's very interesting and entertaining. But there's one story when they talk about um, they had gone to do some research, some um, scientific studies on Buddhist monks, and they went to a room with all of these Buddhist monks, and they were hooking up one of the monks in the front of the room with all of these electrodes and they were putting them on his head. And and so he had kind of this spaghetti looking, um, you know, device with all these wires coming out of his head. And the researchers were kind of standing in front of him, putting on, you know, getting everything attached. So the other monks who were sitting watching um in front of him couldn't see what was going on until they stepped out of the way. And I guess they stepped out of the way and the Buddhists saw, uh, sorry, the monks saw the, the, um, how he, how he looked as he was all hooked up with all these electrodes and everything. And, and they all started laughing and the researchers thought that they were laughing at the way that he looked because it just looked very silly with this big hat of spaghetti essentially. And, um, but they, it turns out that they were laughing because they were, 
they knew that the researchers were wanting to study the effects of these loving kindness or compassionate meditations. And they said, no, actually, it wasn't the way that the monk looked that was so funny. It was that they were trying to measure compassion and they were measuring his head. They didn't have anything on the heart and compassion comes from the heart. So they had expected that all of the attention would be on the heart and not on the head. So it's just interesting how culture and time shapes our understanding of intelligence because in this day and age, we have a heavy, we, we put a heavy value on the, the mind and the brain. And there's a lot of research and energy that goes into studying what happens in meditation, but they're scanning the brains. And um, historians believe that in ancient Egypt, the heart was thought to be the center of intelligence because what they found in studying the mummification process is that the brain was actually removed via the nostrils, gross, and discarded. Um, But the heart and some other organs um, were carefully removed and preserved. And from what they can see with how they treated the heart, they can glean that the heart was very important to the ancient Egyptians. And so it seems that perhaps we're slowly starting to understand this and get a little more attention in our day and age to the impact of things, you know, the body as a whole and the importance of the heart in compassion, for example. But, you know, for a long time in our culture, it has been very brain heavy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, if you look at the teachings of yoga so there are different scriptures but there was a very wise man called Patanjali who wrote a scripture on the different stages of the art and science of yoga where you kind of climb um, there are different stages of your consciousness growing and in one of the sutras one of the verses he writes yoga chitta priti niroda this is sanskrit and there are different translations to this, but the way Paramhansa Yogananda translated this, who is the one we've been learning from, um, he translated it as yoga is the neutralization of the feeling of the heart. So the heart has a very important role in the purification practice of yoga. And feeling is a key element to success in meditation or any kind of tool you where you use yoga. And they say that the center of feeling is situated uh, just close to the physical heart. Perhaps you have heard about the chakras. It's becoming quite widely known nowadays. So it's very close to the physical heart. And this is also the center of feeling. And this center of feeling holds the natural tendency to love, but also the unnatural expressions of love. The natural tendency to love is a calm and centered and expansive feeling. And it's also where we have our intuition. I think we all have had moments where we just knew something and you feel like you read someone's mind and that's where the heart comes in. And the unnatural expression is where we have our desires, attachments, our likes and dislikes. And um, during the holiday break here, I was watching a few Disney movies and uh, 
I was thinking about this episode and I like how Disney is changing their stories because if you've seen Moana or it's called even Bayana in some countries and you have the goddess Tefiti who also becomes Teka. She is the mother goddess but because someone takes her heart away she turns into this lava monster and Moana who is the hero she she kind of realized that, well, she's the mother goddess, but she's also the lava monster. So she's the one who has courage to face uh, Tika, Tefiti, to give her back her heart. She tells her in a song, in a kid's way, that you are not this. You are more than this. Remember who you are. And similar to that, it's with us as well. If someone hurts us, it creates a ripple effect, hurt people, hurt other. And we just do this from an unconscious way. And another move is Maleficent. Uh, she's some kind of fairy with a lot of power. And someone cuts her wings off and she gets just so jealous or not. She wants revenge. She, she's angry and she wants revenge on the world. And the person who did this to her. And at the end of the movie, she kind of realizes herself, her mistake. And so you can see how her heart has someone been purified by this child, Sleeping Beauty. And it's very much like that with us too. We can either let life run us down when painful things happen with us, or we can work with it and try and nurture instead the natural tendency to love and so just trying to be more conscious right and i've talked about this before on our podcast but when i started meditating it was really natural for me to focus on the techniques and getting the flow right and the process right and i kind of even though I was seeing in the teachings that, you know, you also want to engage the heart and you want to stay open and bring in your feeling nature. For me, I spent a long time working through the techniques, focusing on the brain, focusing at the spiritual eye, the point between the eyebrows. And it was, I think, you know, there was a practical piece to that. I needed to be comfortable with the techniques so that I could do my own meditations and with ease and not be too caught up in um, what comes next and how long do I do this? You know, you, you kind of have to get a sense for all of that. But um, I could only go so far with that. So this is kind of the whole point of this episode is that that will take you, you will have um, positive benefits just by following techniques. But if you want to go further... And, and really get into the growth that can come through meditation. So you get beyond the benefits, like the, you know, better sleep and the managing your stress and things like that. But to take that further um, into what I would consider like growth, um, you, you do need to bring in the heart. You need to bring in that feeling nature and it becomes a balance and a connection between the techniques and the brain and that feeling side of yourself and the heart. 
So um, if you feel, you know, if you're newer to meditation and this is kind of, it sounds like we're talking about something that doesn't matter, um, I would just encourage you to open yourself up a little bit and, and think about bringing something like that in. And I would also say that this is the difference between making meditation boring and making it something you really want to do. Um, because when you bring in that feeling, you can start to create that more desire for wanting to go and meditate rather than going to watch TV or do something else. And um, it's said that the path of yoga to have this harmony inside you have to work on convincing both the mind and the heart. So it's good. We want to get the science that backs up and shows that, well, okay, science shows it's good for my body, for my mind. But then you also want to convince the heart. The heart wants to feel that, okay, this is good. This is, this is giving me something. So as Cara just said, it's a balance because in the yogi tradition, and many other traditions, it's widely known that the heart is also a faculty of knowing just as much as the mind. The mind, you can look at this as a scale with two different bowls. In one bowl, you have the mind with reason, technique, wisdom, and the intellect. And the other bowl, where you have the heart, you have feeling, devotion, love, and intuition. And we kind of want them both to be balanced so that because if there's too much reason, we tend to become very cold and dry and we become disconnected from both ourselves and others. But whereas if there's too much feeling, we can become very fanatical. And I think this is what we see in some kind of some sects and it's very common that you start to feel that everyone who thinks different from yourself they're wrong and this goes within the yogi tradition as well but if you start to think that you are better than someone else then you're not practicing yoga right yeah uh, so it's really watching the heart and feel like am i starting to judge people too much well mm -hmm. mm, well then <laughs> Right. Find some time to balance. Yeah, that's such a beautiful point because you do you want to keep yourself open and the more you accept various teachings, the more you feel connected to them, but it it really is that's part of the practice too is is moving forward with your convictions and but keeping that in check. That's a wonderful point. Hmm. So should we look at some points to awaken this natural love? Right. So we've talked about the why you should do this, but how about the how? <laughs> so this all sounds great, but how do we do it? So when we're in meditation, you can, um, as we mentioned before, there's the loving kindness meditation where you can you could start with somebody that you, you personally relate to and work on your compassion. That could be somebody who, you all, who you're very close to and you feel, you know, love toward and you want to send them compassion or, you know, you want to send compassionate energy to them. You can even take that a little further and have it be somebody who you don't really connect with very much and or that you are having a hard time with 
and you try to work through that in your meditation, not by trying to psychoanalyze it or think about it, but just sending loving compassion to them. It is amazing. I know Alessandra and I in private have talked before about our own experiences of dealing with people who we're having trouble with and just trying to send them love in a meditation in the the dramatic, um, you know, that we do feel that there are positive changes that happen outside of meditation in those relationships from that. Um, But there's also just bringing energy and attention to the heart. So depending on what your meditation practice is like, you may have various techniques that you use to get to a state of stillness. At least this is what uh, our meditation practice is like. We have techniques and then we have a time at the end that's called the expansion phase. And this is when we just bring our energy to the spiritual eye and you're, you're at this point, your body and your mind should be completely still. And um, so you can awaken the, the energy of the heart by using that time to send energy down to the heart chakra, to the heart center, and just, just by bringing your consciousness, your awareness there, you can open up that energy. You want to still keep your eyes lifted so that you're not completely bringing all of your energy and your focus downwards. Um, but you, you keep your gaze lifted, you bring your concentration, bring your energy, bring your awareness to the heart and just use that energy to, to feel that you are expanding the heart, that it's, that you're, you're energizing it. And then you want to be sure to send that awakened energy up, back up to the spiritual eye, back up to the brain. As Alessandra mentioned when she talked about the bowls in the, on the scale, we want to awaken the heart's energy and use it, bring it up to the he- to the head, to the brain, so that we're we have this beautiful connection between the heart and the brain. So it's not just awakening that energy and and having it go outward. We send it up, back up to the spiritual eye, back up to the brain, and then we've got that nice connection going. Hmm. And I think another uh, important thing to help awaken this feeling in your meditation is adding some chant, some music. For me, this is such a big difference. I remember when we did our training, or we was we were not in the same class, but uh, I was already meditating for myself. So for me, it was natural to always listen to some kind of soothing music or heart opening music at first and then when we did the training we had to do some guided meditations um, several times a week and some of them were very basic because not all of them were from the same tradition and I remember I could really feel the difference of just doing the technique and the silence without the music and then later on of course they added the music and it was very enlightening experience so I would suggest to add some music and I would do this just just to uplift myself uh, it works so well on the heart and or our um, ability to feel when mm-hmm. we tend to go downwards and we worry to mm-hmm. have some kind of music maybe we have a list on Spotify or an album 
we know that okay this this one works it uplifts me mm-hmm. right uh, and what is it that worked the most for you Kara? well um from a meditation standpoint i would say the the engagement of the heart that i talked about before was very very powerful um but there are things that we can do outside of meditation that help our meditation and for me um one of those one of those things is serving others so um this is something that comes into our entire life it affects that what we do in meditation affects what happens outside of our lives but conversely the way that we live our lives outside of meditation can have a great impact on our meditations and one way to engage the heart is by serving others and so that has helped me um i like to there's a a, a charity organization that i work with where we serve after school meals to kids who are in um areas where they don't have a lot of access to fresh um scratch made meals so that's important to me um but also just taking the opportunity to help other people you know if somebody needs help um packing up because they're going to move or something like that and it's not just about the action but it's about the attitude that you take with it so coming to something because you may have for example a family member who asks you to help or something and you may think well i just don't have time right now i've got a lot of stuff going on but you feel like well i i want to serve i want to help um and it's it's taking the right attitude with that as well so saying you know i'm not doing this because i have to or because i've been put in a position where i'm expected to i'm doing this because i want to i want to help that person have less of a burden and um so that that attitude comes into it as well well that's nice i actually didn't know that about you that you were serving in this way. Yeah, I I uh, make my kids come along as well. It's really nice oh, that that's very nice. Yeah, and uh, they're they need to work on the right attitude part. That's something I'm trying to guide them to because <sighs> I kind of at this point I'm dragging them along and trying to coach them through like this is really important that you give back and um so that they're young, you know, that that will come. Hmm, that's a nice thing to do together. Yeah. Um as for myself practicing forgiveness I think has been one of the biggest shifts and well this kind of goes in a little bit to what Kara said it's sitting in after meditation and thinking of others but I try to do this also outside of meditation um I mentioned in one of the first episodes where I talk about my journey that I had this life event where I felt like my life just fell apart. And it's not that someone did something horrible to me, it just number of life circumstances and life didn't turn out the way I thought it would and I was also newly mom. So a lot of things awakened in me. I also started to meditate at this point. And so I think it was just a lot of unconscious behaviors and stuff coming up to the surface and of course in that process it's natural to you want to blame others and maybe at that point 
I guess I didn't blame myself as much. I just, uh, I was frustrated, but I realized that I had to, you know, because I, when I read the teachings of yoga and it was talked about forgiveness and I tried to do it and I felt a part of me was really furious hearing about this, like, no way I have to forgive that person. What that the person did was not okay. For example, when I was a kid, I had a daycare teacher. This is before school. So someone takes in children in their home and some for some reason she she treated me differently from the other kids she had a problem with me or my mom I don't know and she took it out on me and I was only a few years old and she kind of yeah she kind of forgot my birthday and her daughter was not nice to me Mm. so that was something I remember growing up when I thought of her I just felt this rage in my heart and this is something that came up around this time in life as well, because I had my own daughter suddenly. Oh, yeah. So it kind of triggered it. It triggered it. And yeah. I really wanted to work on forgiving her. But that took quite a while. I think I'm getting there. like Because mm-hmm. there's also a process of wanting to do it rationally, the mind. Mm-hmm. But then to actually do it and feel in your heart that I'm not angry. Because sometimes it's hard to understand like, yeah. why Why did she do that to me? Right. And, uh, I mean, forgiving is not so much about saying it's okay what other people did, but I am suffering. As I said, every time I thought of her or that situation, I felt pain in my heart. So I'm the one suffering because of what happened. Mm-hmm. So it's not about letting people treat us in whatever way, but we need to cut the cord and not let it affect us. Right. That's so, and you're right. It's not easy. And a lot of things that are worthwhile aren't easy. I was watching a, a talk by Naya Swami Asha, who is a Naya Swami with the Ananda um, organization. And she's an amazing lecturer. And she was talking about trauma, which makes me think of what you're talking about and Mm -hmm. how something happens to us once and, and then we deal with that when it happens. But when we keep introducing it back into moment after moment of when we're not having to physically, you know, it's not happening in the material plane, it's not happening in the moment, but we keep letting it come and impact our moments, that's our choice. And it's it's easy to say that, I understand, and say, well, just stop thinking about it. But, you know, that mm-hmm. comes into the forgiveness when you've had like a traumatic experience that you're doing that to yourself when you keep, when you, when you are not bringing that forgiveness in, you're doing that to yourself. So it, it's the impact that you're talking about where you say, well, this is now my choice and... Mm. And I need to do something about it. And I was given an advice from a friend or actually two different friends. One of them, she's a coach and she's done the NLP. And so she's a certified coach. And another one is a teacher friend of ours. And they both kind of were referring back to that child when it came to forgiveness too. Because sometimes it's really hard to looking at the grown-up person who, who really, we feel like they hurt at us. They've done something which objectively is not okay um but if you can turn back time and especially if we have children of our own for me it's very easy now to tune in to just 
changing the appearance of Iris to the appearance of this person and see them as they're like two-year-old, um, mostly innocent <laughs> mm-hmm. little self. And if we can see them there, they were just this innocent child who didn't want to harm anyone. But somehow we don't know what they've been through. They've been hurt and that's why they're acting out on us. And somehow, just like Moana did in the Disney uh, movie, she took the courage to face the lava monster. And that kind of stopped the ripple effect and the lava monster turned into the mother goddess who could give uh, love to the world and restore the balance. Mm -hmm. So, and I just want to emphasize, it's not only with others, because when we start to meditate and we become more conscious, we can also see things that we did. I, I worked a lot with this because we can start to kind of hit on ourselves and it's like, oh my God, I did that. That must have hurt so much for that person. Or we still keep on making mistakes even when we meditate. Um, to really work on the same way with ourselves, not saying it's okay what I did, but it's like, I'm sorry. If we can, we should ask that person for forgiveness if we are ready and can say it. Otherwise, do it like kind of in a through the ether to send them like a forgiveness. Maybe write a letter and not send it, mm-hmm. but just just write it down. Um, so to forgive others, but also ourselves. That's important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to learn. So we learn. Right. And be better in the future. Right. That's great. Right. So those are beautiful points, Alessandra. Why don't we take a couple of moments and just do a little uh, meditation on the heart, a very short one, but go ahead. And if you're able to, don't do this if you're driving, (laughs) obviously, Um, save it for when you get home. But if you are in a position where you can stop what you're doing and just sit up straight with a straight spine, Close the eyes and lift your gaze up to the point between the eyebrows. Don't strain here. Don't physically try to look at the point between your physical eyebrows, but gaze off to a point in the distance with your gaze lifted a little above the horizon. And just notice your breath. Don't control it. Just notice it. Just notice your inhalations and your exhalations. Use that breath to tune in to the present moment. That's your thread to this moment. And really bring your concentration and your energy to that point between the eyebrows. Use your willpower and stay completely relaxed, but really bring that awareness up to the point between the eyebrows. And now try and let go of all the technique. Don't don't focus on the breath, but just Try and shift your attention to the heart. See if you can feel anything there. 
even though it wasn't a long practice, just try and find any seed of feeling. And if it doesn't come naturally, try and think of a moment where you felt great love or joy. And bring the moment very clear and really feel yourself in that moment. So you can feel the feeling of that love and the joy in your heart. Feel it in the chest. And now gently peel off all the circumstances, the people, the place that generated this feeling, but just stay with the feeling. Know that this feeling is still there even after that moment, even after those circumstances. Let's take a moment and really try and magnify that feeling. Relax into it. And whatever energy, whatever feeling was generated in the heart, use your willpower to lift that energy back up to the spiritual eye. Let it flow and enjoy that beautiful connection between the heart and the spiritual eye. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So we hope you've enjoyed learning a little bit about the heart center, our beautiful hearts. And please subscribe and we look forward to the next meditation conversation.